This is the Focus Factory Podcast. We're coming to you live from Media by JP Studios. I'm your host, Jeff Pickett, owner of Media by JP, a video production company. And we're excited to have you with us today. The Focus Factory is not an industrial factory. It's not the Cheesecake Factory, although that sounds pretty good right now. We're more of an intellectual factory. And we want you, the business owner, or if you are not yet a business owner, but want to be a business owner, then this is the podcast that you have been searching for. Today is a very special day. This is episode number two. I'm getting a little teary-eyed. My little, my little podcast has grown. It's doubled in podcast age in just a week. But seriously, I'm super happy because uh, my good friend Dan Olson, financial guru, stopped by the studios and we talked about some pretty interesting information that I think any business owner would want to know or should know in terms of uh, various financial terminology. We're talking about sales, revenue, profitability, cash flow. And I'll be honest, I hate finance. I did not get the best grades in accounting in uh, college. Just wasn't my bag. I like the creative stuff, but Dan makes finance a little bit more interesting than the average guy. And, and he's one of those guys who doesn't just talk about it. He practices it. So with no further ado, here is our episode with Dan Olson. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. This is episode two of the Focus Factory. It's so new, I had to look at I had to look at the screen to make sure I remembered what the name of the podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm joined today by my special ghost, special ghost, special host, and good friend. Makes you a ghost. <laughs> Who knew? I don't want to be a ghost yet. <laughs> Let's hold off on not that. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> this is my uh, my good friend Dan Olson. Uh, financial guru and next door neighbor, Dan is actually officed just over that wall for me. So <laughs> he gets to hear me edit and uh, I get to hear him talk to his clients all the time. Uh, but in case compliance is listening, I, <laughs> I'm not hearing everything. But uh, so Dan is going to uh, shed some light for all of us business owners and on the personal side too about finance. And the thing I like about Dan is he really knows what he's doing, but he has fun doing it. And uh, hopefully our laughter will be as infectious to you as it is to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Dan. Yes, Jeff. Let's just get right into it. All right. It. Go ahead. Uh, this is the burning financial question I've had for years. Okay. How much money do you make in a year? <laughs> you know, I can tell you this much. Significantly less than Jeff Bezos. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Significantly less. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so, so let's talk about like whenever uh, a business owner does begin to do their thinking mm -hmm. and planning, at what point should they really start to get super serious about their finances? You know, as far as the business owner is concerned, they should be, they should have been serious about their finances years before they decided to start their business. You know, I think back in my personal experience and I was saving money with the idea that I might start a business way before I even opened up the doors of my first business. And I would encourage many soon to be entrepreneurs to focus at the focus factory by listening to this, but focus 
really on accumulating a savings, accumulating investment dollars, because if you aren't willing to invest in your own business, what's to make it that a bank would be willing to, or uh, investors would be willing to invest in your business. So you have to be saving money and getting prepared, even though you might not know what the business might be. So what you're telling me is if I want to be uh, opening up a ballet school, for example, mm-hmm. uh, not that I would do that, <laughs> but if I were to open up a ballet school, you're telling me that I, I need to really start saving up for that probably well before I would actually do that. Absolutely. Because if you're going to go talk to the bank, the bank wants to know what skin do you have in the game. If you're going to talk to private investors, they want to know what skin you have in the game. And I, I truly do think that that is where a lot of entrepreneurs might go wrong. They just assume that people are going to just hand over their hard-earned money uh, because they have a great idea. The sad part is, is that everybody has a great idea, right? Mm-hmm. And how much are you willing to really invest your own time, your own capital, your own blood, your own sweat, your own tears into your concept? That's really what investors want to look for. And if you're willing to do that, then that gives the investor a little bit more confidence. Interesting. So at what point do you think... I just lost my question. <laughs> no, at what point do you think that uh, an entrepreneur or, or a business owner needs to bring somebody on, maybe an outside person, or do you think they're okay just looking up financial advice on the internet or, or reading a book? What resources do you think, or at what point do they need to start digging into some of that? You know, the sooner the better. I think by talking to people, sitting down with an expert, you can do that pretty much anytime you want, right? You're going to be able to gather different sources of financial information from many, many different types. It might be from an expert. It might be from a book. It might be from podcasts. It might be from uh, television. But I think there's not really one silver bullet, not one way to make a successful business work. It's going to really come down to... uh, trying to figure out what works for you. What works for you might not be the same as what motivates me and what works for me. So you definitely have to figure out what ticks for you and what's going to motivate you to get to that next step. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you might want to pull your microphone in just a touch. Sure. There we go. All right. I'm losing a little signal. All right. Your juicy tidbits. (laughs) We have to listen to those. Um, All right. So the next question I would have for you uh, what are what do you think are some of the common mistakes that business owners are making? So again, whether mm. you know our audience is composed of uh, people who maybe are just getting into business, maybe people have been in business for a couple of years, maybe people have been in business for ten years or more. Mm-hmm. What are some of the mistakes that you see people making that maybe they could have prevented if they would have done X? You know, really, it's going to be possibly twofold. One is if you build it, they will come. You know, I I get this a lot from a lot of business owners. If I just had that building, if I had that location, if I just had, you know, five people working for me, uh, all of a sudden the revenue is going to come in. And I see a lot of times that's an expense. It's an expense for the business. And if you aren't careful enough and you overextend yourself, it could put your business under. Uh, So you have to be very careful on minimizing expenses. And that's really what's leading me to the next answer to that question is when you talk to a business owner, the first thing they want to talk about is gross sales. 
right? Sure, absolutely, I did. That's exciting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But Big really, bucks. but really, at the end of the day, does it make sense for a business owner to spend time, energy, cash, capital into selling more when your profit has gone down? And I see that over and over and over with business owners that they spend more money hiring a new employee, and maybe that works long term, but on the short term. Does that make sense? Does it make sense to bring on somebody, uh, you know, especially if your sales are going to go up, but again, your net profit as the business, business owner goes down. That's a very difficult decision, I think, for any business owner. And again, if you're looking at it from more of a long-term perspective, it might make sense. But if that doesn't pan out, you know, within the next few years, maybe it doesn't make sense for you to retain that employee. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. We, uh, as business owners, we love to uh, talk about how much our sales are because, uh, you know, you see that all the time with, well, you're talking about Bezos, how much how much uh, revenue you're generating. But it's not very often that we talk about, hey, what's your profit like? And, and maybe that's because it, for some people, maybe that's too personal of a question. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I think you're right on with the profit piece of it. It, it probably took me a year and a half and then uh, just recently – as Dan and I've talked in the past, there's a, a really great book that's come out. Actually, it's five years old. Mm-hmm. I found out last week, but this book, Profit First, um, where the the focus really should be on your profit. How mm-hmm. much are you making out of your business that's versus right. all the work you're putting into it? And then you walk away going, what happened? Yeah, where, yeah. Where'd all that money go? Yeah, not only money, but time. You know, that's the other thing. You know, if you spend the next five years and you're so focused on increasing your revenue, uh, or increasing your gross sales and your profitability is not following suit, you could have spent those five years working for a corporation, figuring out what your market value is as an employee. And you could have been accumulating money to really then take the next step. And that would possibly be to start your business at that point. So, you know, somebody told me a long time ago, and it still sticks with me to this day is, if you start a business and you're making money, that's a business. If you start a business and you're not making money, that's a hobby. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, you sound like right? Shark Tank. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at some point, you know, how, how many years? I think that's a tough question to answer, I think, for any business owner is how many years are you going to invest your time and, and energy into um, maybe a business idea or something that you're truly passionate about you know, how, how long are you going to pursue that that dream before you move on to the next stage in your life? And for some people, they'll chase that dream forever, mm-hmm. you know, and is it a hobby or is it a business? You know, that's really what you got to keep asking yourself. What's the ROI on the business? Uh, so, you know, just be, be more, you know, entrepreneurs, the interesting thing about that is, you know, we're all optimistic, right? But you have to also be rational and you have to ask yourself, is this worth pursuing you know, if it's just not there, it might not be the right niche. You're maybe you have to readjust your expenses. That to me, that's the most important aspect of it too, Jeff, is you can control today what you spend. We spend so much of our time focused on how do we generate more in sales. The issue with that is that's really up to somebody else, right? You can spend all that time, energy, try, and you could be the best salesperson ever, but somebody's got to be willing to say yes. And I'll go ahead and sign on the dotted line. And Uh, today you can control what you spend. 
Sure. And sure. you can increase your profitability by doing that. But that's no fun, Dan. <laughs> no I, never fun said this, I never said this podcast was going to be fun, Jeff. I, never I love to spend money. <laughs> Who doesn't, right? Just don't tell my wife. But I, I love it. Okay, so that leads me into another question then about, so we're talking about sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess this is a three-parter, maybe a two-parter, but yeah. talk about cash flow. Mm. That's another term that I don't think we hear, well, I don't hear as much about. Yes, and I, yes. I, I would say... You know, many that are listening here, you know, we, we talk about sales, mm. profit comes in there sometimes, yep. but, but cash flow. Mm. what is cash flow? Cash flow is really, if you had to compare it to personal, your personal life, it really is savings. You know, it's your ability, you know, in any, in any ideal situation, you want to increase your income, decrease your expenses, and that's an increase in cash flow. So that leads to profit. What you do with that profit is really up to you as a business owner now. Do you spend it on something that doesn't give you an ROI, return on investment? Are you uh, utilizing that capital? Are you paying down debt, which can increase your cash flow the next month? And I really love that strategy because if you can use profitability and pay down debt, which immediately drops your, your obligated expense the next month, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I think any business owner would because what it does is it increases your cash flow, especially if your sales are equal, it increases your cash flow for the following month. And if you can keep doing that over and over and over again, the it's going to get easier, right? Sure, sure. And uh, so many people, they take their cash flow, they might want to uh, put it towards something that, you know, maybe will increase sales, but you know, and that's okay. That's okay to do that. But what are the odds that what you do is going to lead to immediate boost in, in income? Mm-hmm. You know, that's tough. And I think as a business owner, I think everybody's trying to figure that one out. Right. But again, if you focus on the cost perspective, the cost side, you can immediately, especially if it's a variable debt, you can immediately by paying extra against that debt, you can immediately reduce your costs for the next month. And that's huge because now all of a sudden your cash flow increases. Well, you're, Throwing out all sorts of financial <laughs> terminology. Hopefully that makes sense. Wow. <laughs> Dave Ramsey Jr. <laughs> so here's a question for mm-hmm. you. I see a lot of people uh, talk about pricing. And yep. Again, uh, I hate, for mm. those of you that have been in business for a while, I apologize. Just so far, a lot of these questions are more for the for the noobers. <laughs> the noobers. <laughs> New terminology here. But you know, pricing seems to be an issue that a lot of people are concerned about. Uh, they they want to they want to put out a good value mm, item, yeah. But they're never really sure how to price that. And then when they don't get it priced out correctly, their their business is upside down. They're, sure, they're not in too long. So they price mm-hmm. too high. I, I might not get the customers I want if I price too low. Now, um, as I say, I'm making tacos instead mm-hmm. of burritos. Mm-hmm. I'm not really making much money. So. What would be some basic advice that you could talk with people about as far as pricing goes? You know, here's here's a great question I ask a lot of business owners. Do you want to be the Walmart of your industry? And nothing against Walmart. They do a fantastic job. That's not a knock on them whatsoever. Well, but they are you, sponsoring this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were. <laughs> uh, but do you want to be busy and make no and really profit no money. Do you right. want to be bit? Would you rather be busy and make a little bit of profit margin? You know, some of the best companies I've talked to, they always talk about how cash is king. They talk about increasing margins. Uh, that might lead to slowdown in business, but at the end of the day, does it pencil out? Are you more profitable because you increase price and you're more focused on profit margin than just by being busy and just focusing for 
uh, value. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to play in that space, that's fine, but it's going to lead to probably more employees. I see this in the construction business a lot, in fact. Uh, they, they end up hiring a lot more people because, again, they're focused on, I want to sell more. I want to increase my sales. To them, that's impressive. But what they don't realize is they're adding on labor costs. They're adding on marketing costs, uh, maybe more equipment costs because now you got more people. And they're so focused on the value piece that they do get busy. They get extremely mm -hmm. busy. But profit now starts to slip. Sure. And if you had to compare the two, yeah, I think for anybody, would you rather be busier and make less profit or less busy and make more profit. I think that's really what it comes down to. So let's shift gears then to the more seasoned business owner. Sure. Uh, what do you think are some of the little clowns mm. that could jump out and scare the crap out little of you? Little clowns. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Jeff. I don't know. <laughs> that's scaring me just thinking about it. <laughs> so what do you do, you know, in financial uh, terminology? So these little, your, your business looks like it's going great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this little clown pops up, scares mm, the crap mm, out of you, mm, mm, and mm. now your business is is not looking so great. What are what are some of the things that you see that that we should all look out for if we want to try to keep a sustainable business? Well, again, that's a challenge I think for any industry. Technology is evolving so rapidly that what we consider to be a really a a great business now might not be there in the next ten years. The industry. And just technology is evolving so rapidly. In fact, I just read uh, something from Jeff Bezos that he, he talked about how he would be shocked if Amazon was still around, wow. you know, in the next 20, 30 years. So, you know, if if one of the most valuable corporations that we know might not be there in the next 20, 30 years, I think that's a good lesson for any seasoned business to to really follow that lead and just don't rest on your laurels. I think by reading any any horror story or any, any of those clowns that are popping out at you, right, Jeff? <laughs> I think it's to, to not evolve with your consumer, right? A lot of corporations that are specifically, they've, they've seen a benefit from doing things a certain way. I think the worst mistake that they can make is, well, we've always done it this way, right? Um, we're going to continue to do it this way, even though maybe the consumer base is changing a little bit. And if you do not evolve and you do not invest back into your business and you're not looking to really follow your consumer, you are, you're, you, I, I don't know, you're going to be, you're going to be maybe asking yourself, maybe I should have done that a little bit sooner. I think that's one of the biggest things. The other thing is, you know, if you're truly looking at your business as an investment, are you looking at it as, are you looking at an, an exit strategy? You know, do you want to sell while you're on top? Do you want to capitalize on your return on investment? Uh, you know, or is this something you're going to ride all the way to the end, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe that doesn't financially make sense, but a lot of business owners, whether you're small, medium, large, I don't think a lot of business owners view it like that. You know, they want to pass it down to the next generation possibly, but, um, maybe they're not, not the most equipped to handle that. So, you know, maybe thinking about Nexus strategy and maybe thinking about your market, and really who your customer base is, maybe it doesn't make sense to write it all the way out. Maybe it does make sense to look for a, a buyer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what would be, what would be a, a, a good age then? If you, if you wanted to put together the ideal exit strategy, what would be a good age that you would recommend to your clients to, to bail? You, I mean, you, you're not going to wait till 65 or 70. Mm. 
I don't know if it's necessarily an age. I would say I would follow more of the market trends. You know, instead of saying, oh, when I'm 60, I'm going to sell my business. I think that's a bad way to look at it. Other than, hey, I think this market, I, I found a niche in, in my market or industry, and I'm capitalizing on that. And now I see more competition entering the market, or maybe my revenue starting to maybe not be as strong as what it once was. You know, maybe maybe that's a more appropriate time to look at an exit strategy because, you know, a lot of business owners that are serial entrepreneurs, they get in and out of businesses all the time. They're looking for the next opportunity to hit. So maybe maybe it isn't so much an age that you should look at getting out, but more of a, I think this is probably the peak value my business is worth. And can it continue to climb or not? And if it if it can't in your mind, maybe it's time to look at getting out. So I'm guessing a few people might be rolling over in their graves mm. if they were dead. Yeah, I know, I know. Because what you're talking about is you're you're telling me I need to give up on this business that I maybe mm. or probably have this emotional attachment you to. You do, you do. It's like a baby. You know, and I think anybody that has gone through a business uh, transition where they've started a business from scratch and they've sold that business probably feel like it is a death almost in a way or maybe a divorce or whatever it might be. Uh, because you spent so much time and energy into it, but for, coming from the investment side of it and back to the financial side of it, you have to not listen to your gut so much when it comes to that. And you almost have to skirt the emotion. Making emotional decisions does not ever pan out for a lot of people. It's making logical decisions, even though it does feel very tough for you to, to make that transition. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, that's one maybe one of the regrets a little bit around my business, uh, just because I've got my my initials in there. So unless I can find a, a guy named John Peterson to take over, <laughs> which is pretty common around these parts, you know, there are a lot of Petersons out there, so you, you might be in luck. That's probably true. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll get on that. <laughs> all right, so the next question I've got is what? So I, I'm I'm a big proponent of mindset, mm. and I know that. Regardless of where we're at in life, we're usually a byproduct of how we were raised sure. and the people we hang out with. And sometimes that's good and sometimes not so good. But what would be a, a good mindset shift that the business owners might want to entertain in order to continue to make themselves profitable or successful? You know, really having conversations with with a couple of successful people one one thing that kind of sticks out from that question is, is really this you'll do what it takes to be successful people that have the i'm going to be successful no matter what it takes and that means going back to what it was when he first launched the business you know a lot of times when we start a business a lot of the work is on the business owner right and as things improve we want to hire out people so we can use their labor to maybe uh, focus on things that are more profitable for the business or maybe focus a little bit more on passive income. But as you as the business owner, are you willing to sacrifice going back to the beginning and saying, you know what, I'm going to start back, I'm going to go back to what it took to become successful. And some businesses have to do that. You know, they might hire on three, four people and all of a sudden they see their sales start to slip. Will you, are you willing and are you willing to go through what it took, the blood, sweat, tears to get you back to where you initially started from? And that might mean you have to completely pivot off the original concept. Um, I think as you become more successful, that gets harder to do, right? Yeah. I love that you brought that up because this, 
this book that I've read recently, and I'll probably refer to this a lot because it's got so many profound ideas in it, but, mm -hmm. and maybe it wasn't actually in the book, but it was in a video that uh, Brendan Bouchard put out. He's a motivational personal development uh, guru, author. And he actually said that one of the most telling ways of determining if someone is going to be successful or not is their ability to struggle. Mm. And, and you're right. Like think about the average entrepreneur, the average business owner, who's maybe been in business five, 10 years and they hit their sales goals and they're like, I can breathe. Right. Yeah. I can now, breathe, now I yeah. can uh, kick back. Yeah. Go buy a lake boat or whatever. <laughs> And, and they don't really want to roll up their sleeves mm. and get back in there and get back into the grind. Now, I could argue that you don't have to go all the way into sure. the struggle, right? Sure. But if you're not willing to roll your sleeves up a little bit and get yourself right back into that, that scheme that your mind had about what you need to do to kind of lift the business up, then you may not ever progress further than where you're at. You know what we call that? We call that pride, right? Nobody wants to take a shot on their pride. And it's, again, that's an emotional thing. It might make sense for a business owner, especially if they start to see their business start to slip and they're looking to pivot. It might make sense for them, like you said, to sell their boat, mm -hmm. to downsize their personal lifestyle. So, you know, are we willing to go there? Some people are, some people aren't. Are you willing to sacrifice that personal lifestyle to get your business back on track? Are you willing to put all the chips on the table and say, I believe in this concept so much that I'm willing to do what it takes. And those are the people that, you know, I find to be inspirational are the ones that are willing to yeah, do that. Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember his name now, but I think that was the case with the author of, uh, of that book, Profit First, that mm. I mentioned. His first name is Mike and his last name is... Uh, it's got too many syllables. Peterson, or, right? Yeah. Like Peterson, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, <laughs> but he, he had um, millions and he had the sweet cars and a country club membership and everything. And then the sales started to slide. And, and the only way to uh, keep things afloat was to start selling things off. And his daughter actually came to the uh, dinner table on Valentine's day and, and gave her dad uh, her piggy bank. And she mm. goes, here, dad, this will probably help. Uh, we'll be okay. Something like that. And then that's when it really clicked in his head. Like, whoa, like I let things go crazy. Now I need to start from the bottom and get myself back up. And, and he did. Mm -hmm. How many people are willing to do that? Or how many people will do that? I think it's tough unless you're in maybe in that situation. If you're truly in that situation, you'll, you'll get a better <laughs> grasp on, on if that's the case or not. But yeah, you, you may say, Hey, I can do that. And then you're in that situation and it is tough. I mean, just look at it from a standpoint of right now, are you willing to downsize your lifestyle? I think we don't even need to include the business aspect, right? Are you willing to go there? Are you willing to downsize the house you live in? Are you willing to sell off the vehicles that you have? Um, again, those are all things you can control. You could, you could do that tomorrow if you wanted to, but are you willing to do it? Mm -hmm. I think that's where the struggle is, right? Sure. So, uh, because I, I don't, I think this is kind of cool about Dan. So for those of you who don't know Dan, um, you know, he's probably forking in what eight or $9 million a year. <laughs> Not really, mm -hmm. but no. So tell us what kind of car you drive, Dan. 
Well, I I initially let me. Can I talk about the vehicle I had nope. before that? Nope, I want I want to talk about it, Jeff. <laughs> Go I want to talk about. It. So anyway, I had a I, I bought a 2003 Ford F-150. It was an extended cab, not a four door. All right, all right. And I bought it new. It was an outdated model because I bought it in 2004. And as soon as I drove it off the lot, I immediately had buyer's remorse. Yeah, there's no positive ROI on that purchase. Sure. So I, I to make up for lost time, I drove that vehicle all the way into the last couple of years. Uh, I've ha- I had that vehicle for quite a while. And the reason I had to get rid of it is because the, the motor blew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did end up buying a used Mazda CX-5. And it is, it's a fairly, it's a newer model. And it had like maybe 20,000 miles on it. But to me, you know... That that's maybe a better marketing question for you, Jeff. Is does perception sell, or is it the walk, the way you walk? If you if you walk the lifestyle, are you going to sell more because of it? I think that's a great question. Yeah, yeah, and I can't answer that myself. <laughs> but but no, I mean you, you know what you teach people, you know, being very practical and like you just said, you know, practice on your profit. Mm-hmm. If you want to stay up with the Joneses and go out and buy the the nicest car then uh, that's going to be tough to stay profitable. And, you know, for someone in your space, especially, you know, people are wanting to assume, well, he's a financial planner, so, mm-hmm. you know, he should drive a, a Lamborghini or, right. or whatever. But to me, and this is just coming from me, if I see a financial planner driving a Lamborghini, I'm thinking he's charging me too much money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he better be scaling back. But the fact that you, I think that you practice what you preach says a lot. And then, you know, I've heard recently about a little joint venture that one of your kids is going to be doing. That's right. Uh, picking up poop in <laughs> other people's yards. That's right. Yes. So, you know, the, the one of the greatest things that I, I have two boys and I love talking to them about business concepts and business ideas and, and money in general and how money works. And I also, I grew up a country boy. That might be hard to believe, right? <laughs> but I, I'm no stranger to hard work. and you know, again, the the word that's difficult to overcome is pride, right? So not a lot of people are willing to sacrifice pride for just doing what is right and doing maybe what's profitable. So uh, my my youngest, he actually, he told me he's only nine. He, he wanted to start a business. And I said, what do you think you're qualified to do? And he, he probably rattled off, hey, I can be an NBA player or something like that, make millions, right? And I think that's a great goal to have long-term. But I, I think right now I said, well, what about picking up dog poop? And for him, he's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then I told him how much he was making on his first job, and that was 50 bucks. And wow. guess what? He got excited. Yeah. And then he started to kind of come up with different marketing ideas. Like, well, what do you think we could do to really get our message out? Can we go door to door and talk to the neighbors? Uh, can we boost this on Facebook? What What are our options? So he went out there, and I watched him. And he got the rubber gloves on in the bucket, and he was picking up the poop. He got his money, and I've never seen such a smile on a kid before. Um, <laughs> and Especially again, doing that. <laughs> and the first thing he thought about was spending it, right? Uh, that's yeah. that's part of it. And I'm not saying you can't do that in moderation, but he did decide to uh, save some of that too. So uh, it's exciting, I think, as a parent to watch their kids get excited about just the entrepreneurial spirit. And, and Dana and I talked off the air that – now that the younger son is picking up the poop, the older son should now, <laughs> Well, no, he should go into business walking dogs. There you go. So that he can make the dogs poop on other people's yards, and then they hire your son, 
And it's a win-win situation. That's a great business concept. <laughs> we need to continue to go down that path. I we're think. so going to get sued. <laughs> we're so sued. All right. Well, we're coming to a close here. I just want to thank you for your time today. Thank this you for having me. No, it's been it's been a pleasure being on the Focus Factory, Jeff. And I just appreciate uh, really you allowing me to have a voice here. And just the camaraderie that we have is always a blast. So He's got a great voice. Yes, <laughs> he's got a great voice. So where can people find you, uh, assuming your compliance officer hasn't kicked you <laughs> off, but where can people find you if they're looking to get more financial advice or if they want to come hire you on? Well, they can definitely search out for me, uh, Dan Olson, Sioux Falls, just on Google, or Stone Point Financial is my website, and they can reach out to me through those formats. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Dan. Yes. And we will see you somewhere in the future. <laughs> awesome, Jeff. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah, bye. Well, I told you that'd be a great show. At least I, I hope you agreed with me that that was a fun show. Dan's a... Uh, it's, it's just fun to, to be on a podcast with people that you enjoy. And Dan's one of my favorites. He's just got this infectious laugh. And uh, it's it's just fun to, to work with someone who uh, knows what they're talking about. So as we bring this episode to a close, we do have a couple of housekeeping uh, rules, if you will. We are just beginning this journey down into the bowels of the Focus Factory. And, and we really need support. And the best way that you can show that support to us, of course, is to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. We have so far uh, reached our syndication into all of the various podcast channels, except for uh, iTunes. We're not there just yet, but we know that that's coming. And we uh, we launched this a little bit faster into the water and we're going to create this as we go. But if you're listening to this on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this, uh, please let us know what you thought about our show. You can visit us on Facebook at the Focus Factory Podcast. And in fact, the questions uh, that we ask our guests are oftentimes built off of those that you submit. So we, we definitely want you to visit us on our Facebook page and let us know what you think about those, um, those shows that we're doing. You know, every review that you provide us just helps us uh, understand the direction we want to take the show and it helps build out the community and so forth and so on. So we're excited uh, for next week. Uh, I believe we're going to have Jason Reisdorfer on the show. Jason uh, is the, uh, the culture guru of a fortune 5,000 company. And we're, we're anxious to have him on the show next week. So if you have a, a, a business and you really want to focus on culture, you want to develop culture, you, you don't want to miss this show. And as we want to leave you every time, please, please, please keep focusing. <laughs>